Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. We're in a revolution, my friends. The purpose of this sermon series is to incite you, to stir you to a preparedness and action. Throughout the history of the American church, the pulpit has been a strong force to prepare people for battle. Every American battlefield has included priests and chaplains to encourage the hearts of the fearful warrior to pray for the wounded soldier and to administer last rites to the dying. From the pulpit, the preacher has declared with pounding passion the word of God to force attention to injustices and stir hearts to patriotism and spiritual courage. From my studies, the pulpit has proved to be powerful and effective to that end, to produce these results. Today I'm beginning a series into which I'm going to pour my heart. I've been wanting to do this for several months, and I feel like the time is, is perfectly in God's plan. I'll not be inciting rebellion and revolution in the sense of forming or calling upon a physical army, or encouraging people to do such a thing, but rather to help us see that as a church, we cannot be inactive either. The fight is real, but it can be quite confusing, and only the most spiritually discerned will really know what is happening and prepare. Friend, this war is upon you. It's upon you. You cannot escape it. You can only flee to the one who will teach you how to live in such perilous times. Sitting in your home, in your school, your workspace, the war for the hearts of men surrounds us. The question is, are you going to fight? Or will you be a hostage? Or worse, function like an unprotected computer, just passing on the virus of half-truths and misdirections to every other computer with which you network. The political ruling elite have always known, going back to the Pax Romana or the Roman peace, that if you keep the masses and the mobs happy with handouts and promises of utopia, they will not revolt regardless of the personal liberties that are stolen slowly but surely. But when we study the Bible we see that there is a spiritual layer of principalities and powers that are working on a spiritual plane to bring darkness to the hearts of mankind, to blind them to justice, to truth, and peace, real peace. Satan himself is the ruler of the air and controls all earthly systems as we're taught in the Bible. Those politicians not submitted, or governmental officials not submitted to Christ are more often controlled by darkness than by anything else. Our American nation, as much as you choose to identify with it, was conceived from many different motives, not least of which was religious freedom. In time, the USA was birthed as a nation from the womb of revolution. Some criticize it and blame our woes on what they believe was a nation born in rebellion. 
But the forefathers of this nation believed that they had no other choice after appeal after appeal to rise up in revolt and declare America an independent nation. Most of us are immigrants or descendants of immigrants, and we're very grateful that they did. We are in the midst of a new level of revisionist history to bring greater shame upon our nation. And all I want to say is be careful. Be careful. Unless you study the history yourself, you should not rush to a conclusion that concludes there comes to that point that this nation is a godless nation with a godless future. To be honest with yourself, what good would that really do you? I firmly believe that rebellion is of the devil and is always wrong. However, the Bible does, not, uh, does tell us that there is a time for war and a time for peace. Many times war is thrust upon us in order that we might defend the defenseless or to rise up against deceit and injustice. But again, it's not to this end of revolution that I'm calling us. Not this kind. The world does not understand, and maybe a few sitting here today don't understand, that God has already determined how human history will play out. We know this from the Bible as well. But to be clear, he has also warned us that his ultimate victory, that his ultimate victory, will not be fulfilled without a dreadful fight until the very end when hope springs eternal and Christ comes again. We're even told, I'll interrupt myself, we're even told that even the most faithful, that even the most Christian in declaration will be deceived. How do we face such perilous times? It's easy to get drawn into violence and hatred and judgment and vengeance, all looking for control. It's easy to do that. You don't have to sit in front of a television or a radio or listen to a song before your heart is drawn. Hollywood has given itself to a whole new level of control in my estimation. At the hands of the reins, I think we know who. It is foolishness for anyone sitting here today to think that they would do anything differently than the ones they hate without following quiet Christ in his words. It's folly. It's foolishness. Every generation and people group are doomed to repeat the evils that preceded them for those who did not choose Christ or walk with Christ and follow his message of forgiveness and submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. Evil is always begets evil. No, the solution is in the very words of Christ himself. So my friends, it's time for us to fight. We feel like we're being bowled over, run over. And more often, the people that I, over all of my life, look to as some of the most courageous, Bible-preaching Powerful people look at me with a stunned look. It's like in the battlefield and you look to your commander, what next? And they don't know. It's perilous times. And if you think I'm being over, overly dramatic, I don't know where you have been. We've got to fight. And what do we do now? And how do we fight? That's what this series is all about. Let me begin with Romans chapter 13, 11 through 14. And do this, 
Understanding the present time. Understanding the present time. Meaning you need to be aware of what's going around you, my friends. If Christians are not aware, then you don't know how to pray. If Christians are not connected to the, to the, to, to the, the providential plan of God, then it's likely we're being deceived. Just be honest. Let's go on with Romans. <clears throat> the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul speaks to Timothy and he says, look, during times of war, during times of conflict, during, really, in all of our life, living as believers, we should live as warriors, not allowing ourselves to get drawn into what everybody else is drawn into, keeping our weapon at ready, keeping our boots shined, our beret on firmly, ready to be called into action whenever the, red, the Holy Spirit is ready to call us into action. What is revolution? And so I want to give you an introduction to you here today. I've given you my heart. But I want to give you an overview today of what we're going to cover over the next four weeks after this Sunday. What is a revolution? And as I began to think about it, of course, uh, to be honest with you, I'm a red-blooded man. And when conflict comes, my natural, my natural inclination is to say, well, who do I got to fight? You know, I'll go get my rowdy friends, Aaron Lee. I'll get some guys together, and we'll just, hey, we'll just take this thing on. Elon, I'm, I'm sure he's ready for the fight. But then I know that's not the kingdom way. So what is a revolution that we as Christians can get involved in? How can we face what's going on and do it in such a way that is, it, it's, it's godly and it's going to be effective and it's going to, as God always does, just completely confounds the enemy with the 300 warriors of Gideon with the chariots that nobody saw with David, with the enemy coming at us in one direction, fleeing in ten. How do we get that? What is a revolution? Well, there's a conflict. We got that. <laughs> injustice. Begins with injustice, deception, a growing frustration and discontent begins to boil up among a people. The people of character are usually the last ones to speak. And that's interesting about our culture now. You don't see Christians out breaking things, burning cities down. We don't see Christians doing the things going on there and burning down abortion clinics. We don't see that kind of stuff happening because we know what Jesus taught us. But after a while, we feel like our backs are pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. What are we going to do? The conflict becomes very real 
There's a frustration that begins to grow. We have that. That's going on right now. As a matter of fact, this summer is predicted as being one of the most violent summers on record. What are we going to do, Christians? Where are we going to be? In a revolution, you have an enemy. And we have one of those two. His name is Lucifer. He's a fallen angel. He's a deceiver. He appears as an angel of light. Meaning, he looks good. He shines. He glitters. He draws the hearts of men. He catches the eye of a generation. And once he does that, then he deceives. And he used half-truths as he did. If you want to examine how Satan works, just look at his temptations of Christ there in the Bible, Luke 4. Just check it out and see just how Satan operates. Well, we've got him, and he's on full, he's number 11 on the dial when it only goes to 10 right now. He's called Satan which means dog. He went from the angel of light to the fallen angel who is now on the earth in his, last dying, in his last dying breath before he's thrown into the lake of fire. He's got one goal, and that's to deceive mankind. He is a liar and the father of all lies. And his deceit is clever. So we've got an enemy. There's also a leader. Let me back up. Notice I didn't mention any other names because that's important for us to understand who our enemy is and know how to focus the warfare that's coming. There's a leader for our revolution. Oh, and it's not me. And it's no pastor that can be named. I mean, it's nice to have people out there of courage that can rally the forces, but I think we have to be careful with that, to set no man on this planet up to be in that place. But we've got a leader, and his name is Jesus. He's our leader. He is our revolutionary. Because he's done that. He came and he changed the world. He came and he spoke against the religious forces. He stood. He conquered Satan at his own game. He crushed his head. The cross, the ultimate victory, rose from the dead, defeated death. And now he's waiting for his people to get in behind him and follow him into victory. The kingdom of God is here. It's whether Christians are ready to walk in it, declare it, live it. We'll come back to Romans 13 in a second. But So we got a leader. There is a cause, and that message has been clarified in the Scriptures. We're going to look at that. What is our cause? Are we clear in our cause? have so many believers today that I, that I see getting drawn away and deceived with open minds. And as a result, they pull away from the cause. They pull away from the truths, the values, the life that Jesus handed down to us. And mainly it's just because we're not aware. We're not taking the time to review the commands of our commander. What did he tell us to do? How did he tell us to live? We need to be aware of that. Or we're going to be like that troop that's straggling in the forces. Boots untied. Where's your weapon? Don't know, sir. Well, troop, get your hind end into line. So much of the church 
is in that place. We have an army. And what is the army? It's the church of the living God. Jesus died for the church. And he's called us together. Two can put to flight 10,000. Where two or more or three or more gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. The church of the living God. It doesn't have to be thousands. Just a handful of believers who gather together and say, we're here to fight. We're here to join up. It's interesting. During the Civil War, whole groups, friends would gather up and they'd join together. Church is very much the same. All across the country, the giant is awakening. There are weapons. The key is we've got to remember that the weapons that we have are not of this world. You know, we can't pull out guns. You know, I, I am a person who believes in gun ownership. I believe it's one of our constitutional rights. I think there was an absolute reason why the forefathers said that we should have guns. Whatever you believe on that, I'm sorry. I firmly believe in that. But I don't believe that you should be picking up guns and shooting people for no reason. And as a Christian, you got a lot stronger weapons than you realize you even have. And I have shared on that before, and I'll come back to it. But they're not of this world, and I think we need to acquaint ourselves with the weaponry that we have as believers. Because that's how we're going to fight. We need to be like that Marine who says, this is my prayer. Many people have prayer, but this is mine. (laughs) And I know how to use it. I know how to pray. I know when to pray. I am at the ready when the Holy Spirit sparks my heart, how to speak into it, how to pray over it, how to wage spiritual warfare right on the money and target with Amazing precision. There are battles. Oh, yeah, there are battles. You may not see the kind of battles that are happening, but they're happening. And you might be in the midst of one, but, and you're definitely happening all around you. They're happening in our homes, in the streets, in the political places, in the high places, in the spirit, places of darkness and deceit. And that's usually a real sign of the enemy. That's, that's the smell of sulfur <laughs> when we're being lied to, our eyes are being misdirected, deceit. So there are battles. Oh, yeah, they're waging all around us. More, and, and the truth is, though, we just don't really know that they're going on. We, we kind of we can see that we feel a little bit of the shaking. We, we see some of the casualties come pouring in, and we, we wonder, where are these people coming from? How is this happening? Why is this happening? Why are so many people getting caught up in drug abuse? Why are so many unfaithful, broken marriages? Why are, is there, you know, 50 million babies slain on the altar of convenience? Mm. Oh, there are battles going on, my friend, all around you. And then there's a victory and sometimes defeats because that's, that's what's in a revolution. All of that is gone. And for certain, there are casualties. Broken homes, broken people, destroyed nations. The wake of war is dreadful beyond description. We know that in the physical. 
And, and, and I really believe that every young person graduating from high school today, they, they really need to know about war. They need to know. And I know they flip right over and they don't watch documentaries. That, that would be like torture. They don't, they've, they've never read a real good biography from a, a general or, or, or to really study what has happened in warfare. What, what, what is the evil? What is the toll of warfare? What does it cost? Yeah, it's It's terrible. Beyond description. And folks, it's happening right now. It may not be the physical kind of war, and who knows, it may actually break out into that one day. I'm not being prophetic or trying to speak into it, but I tell you what, there are cyclical events in history. And these kinds of things often precede natural things. So church, it's time to rise up. Because some of these things can be prevented, starting with your watch, starting with your sphere of influence. Are you ready? We have a conflict. We have Jesus. We have the leader. We have a cause and a message. The kingdom is here, is what he told us. And it's advancing forcefully, and forceful men and women rise up and take it. We have it all. All of this exists We may not know how one person's journey may go from day to day. We may not even know if another person will persevere to the very end in their faith. We'd like to think they would. I've been surprised at people who seemingly backslide or fall away, and then you have to wonder, were they ever really a believer? I believe in the grace of God. I believe in the perseverance of the saints with all my heart. I believe in the grace of God and that he chooses us. We don't don't create our own salvation. We don't secure our own salvation. We don't even continue to make it happen. But sometimes people can be attracted to the party but never, ever really join, which is why Paul said, you know what? You need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there are going to be four parts, and I'm going to cover each part real quickly here to whet your appetite, to incite you to get you thinking, mainly because I don't want you missing a a part of it. But I want to talk about the conflict. I want to talk about the war that is in the spirit, but manifests itself in the natural. I want to take that apart for you a little bit. I want you to know and be aware of what is taking place spiritually, and we see that in the Bible, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New. All of these things are very, very real. The truth is we forget or we're not spiritually discerned enough to be aware of what's going on around us. Or as I said, we we could be like the troops that wander in and out of what is real, what is good for us. So we're going to talk about the conflict. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. I think we need to. Secondly, we're going to talk about our leader. Because... Without the confidence in who he is, in leading on us into battle, then we can't, we don't have a prayer. We don't have a chance. You got to have a good coach. You got to have the one who stands beside you and whispers into your ear and says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I gotcha. Now get in there. <laughs> Indeed. I'm going to talk about him. We're going to talk about the cause and the message. 
this one may end up bleeding over into another service. I, I hope not, but there's just so much here about advancing his kingdom in his name, the foundational structures and truths that are being absolutely disastrously destroyed day after day in our culture today. And we may not see or think that it has any real spiritual uh, significance or cultural significance when we think of that. We just let these things happen. It's like in 1973 when Roe v. Wade went down. You know, there was just kind of a, ah, well, we'll see how it works out. The devastation to the hearts of the young people who followed throughout the later 70s and early 80s when their parents looked at them and said, yeah, I kind of wish I had aborted you. What does that do to a psyche? What does that do to a heart? How much Xanax does it take to cover over that? What does that do to a culture, my friends? We're going to talk about the individual. We're going to talk about what did Jesus teach. And we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus gathered his people together and he said, look, you're coming from the law, the ceremonial law. You're coming from the moral law. And this is what you have been taught. This is what you've been steeped in. And it has become a stumbling block for you. So I'm going to get this right for you. So when I leave, there will be no confusion as to what is wrong and what is right. So that during our times, I'm sorry if we've got a little starlet on TV telling you that it's okay now to believe in certain immoral things, are you going to take her word or are you going to take Jesus' word, my friend Christian? It's clear. Take the Bible away and it's not so clear. But you've been given a manual. You've been given words. Most of you have them read in your Bible. Kind of means they're important. We're going to talk about how that affects us as individuals. We're going to talk about how that affects us as families. Oh my gosh, family. That's becoming a word that has been redefined, isn't it? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the community of faith, the community of people at large, the nation. Talk a little bit about that. I am going to talk about the family, and I hope to have Andrea come up here and, and share some time with me, because I feel like that as my wife, as a mama, and as a person who's served in our community, a mother, <laughs> she doesn't like me calling her mama, mother, <laughs> uh, she has something to say, and she's been an awesome example of what those things are. I'm going to have her come up here and share a few things. But then in the fall, I want to do a more complete series on the family. And then we're going to talk about weapons. We're going to talk about what have we been given. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about this. And it's not just poetic language. It's not just metaphors that you just, you know, encourage you. When you see how Paul breaks it down, you see, wow, there's a lot here and how we as Christians can fight this fight. And overall, of course, 
we're going to talk about prayer and the power of it. It's been interesting since I preached on the Holy Spirit last week. I believe it was last week. And talked about how, folks, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit indwells us and he's ready to speak to us. That it's interesting that when you open up, I I hope you've had that experience, but when you open up the floodgates to that, when you begin to just say, Lord, I'm ready to listen to you. I'm ready. I had several different occasions where very powerful things God would stop me in the morning to pray about. Because it just opened my heart and just said, God, I'm ready to be used by you. What do you, what do you want me to do today? I'm ready to go into battle. And it wasn't hours long. It was just a few minutes. The Lord would say, you want to pray? Yes, sir. Well, okay, well, this is what's going on. Step into it. It's amazing how powerful it is. One thing, I have no idea how it's going to turn out <laughs> and probably never will in this life. Another one, I saw direct application to it at the very day. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. My son Tate is working right now in a place. I got up and I was having my devotions and God spoke to me. He said, David, Tate's going to encounter some violence today. And I said, and I could have been just like fearful, and, but I just said, okay, well, how do we fight this? Pray over him. Lord, I just pray you cover my son. I just going to surround him with your favor as a shield. I bind darkness in every attempt of the enemy to come against him. He's your son. He belongs to you first. And I bind the enemy's power of darkness right now in Jesus' name. That was it. Went on with the rest of my day. Sitting on the couch, waiting. Tate walks in at the end of the day, and he goes, man. It's like, what does that man mean? And he said, yeah, we had a guy come in today. He was angry, very angry. And he said, but it was interesting. He, he never let it out. He never burst out with the, the stuff that was going on inside him. And I just, I didn't, didn't tell you this, did I, Tate? I don't think I did. Well, now you know. But anyway. But I just sat there and just thought, wow. Yeah, wow. God wants that. See, that's the kind of warfare we're talking about. Attack it in the spirit. It affects it in the natural. That's the revolution we're looking for, people. And I want to teach you how to fight. If you're ready... Now, you can disappear on me. Oh, that's too heavy for me, man. I just need that Jesus loves me this I know sermon. Well, you ain't going to get that for the next four weeks, okay? I mean, I'll get you one of those coming up. <laughs> I mean, I'll get you one of those. And I'll let, you, I'll let Andrea do that for you in the music, okay? And we'll make you feel all nice and happy there. But when I get up here, I'm going to incite you. You're going to get fired up. And I hope and pray over you that you're going to do something. That when you leave here today, that you will be a nuclear weapon in the hands of God. Okay, not just a pea shooter. No, I'm talking about you'll be calling in major strikes into the enemy's camp. You can do it. You can do it. Amen. Let's stand up this morning.